Well, welcome everyone. This is the Porter Pickups Tonecast number 18. And today, Brian and I are going to be talking about our favorite gear and uh, what makes some of that gear just so special to us. So, Brian, how are you? Hey, how's it going? You sound so much better I do. this week than you did last week. We recorded... Uh, Nobody's the- ever going to hear that, probably, because <laughs> I sounded like an 80-year-old chain smoker. Yeah, and we did... Uh, we had the podcast with Rick last week, mm-hmm. and then we did a video, a special kind of video podcast that we'll be releasing soon. And I don't but know if not it's that actually, one. Yeah, <laughs> that one may not get released because I literally talked and you you didn't talk much at all. So. And when I did talk, it was not pleasant. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, awesome. well, thanks. Appreciate you guys again listening to the Tonecast. Um, we're, we're chugging through uh, our weekly shows. We're excited to have... Have new listeners. Um, we've been get, getting really good traction on our plays, and so we appreciate you guys again listening to us. We're going to continue to provide some exciting um, interviews, and really enjoyed some of the stories that have come out of the interviews. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit more throughout the the year about some of our uh, specific pickup models, some of the new exciting things that we've been working on. Um, so just as a heads up, for a couple of weeks out, our March 31st um, podcast will be a very special edition podcast. We can't really say too much else, but... It's top secret. It's top secret. Um, <laughs> we've been hoping to have have this top secret thing going on here for a while. So we're, we're going to be re- releasing um, something cool uh, as a business and it kind of just uh, pretty exciting stuff for for where we're going and things like that. So it's just going to be a special show kind of dedicated to um, to a new release. So that'll be fun. Um, so in real time, if you're listening to this a couple weeks out, um, that show on March 31st will be happening. Um, if you find the podcast after that, then it won't be quite the same surprise probably. But hey, you know, that's, that's fine. So <laughs> not too worried about that. Awesome. Well, today's subject, like I said, we're headed into gear that Brian and I love. I think we're going to talk a little bit about what we currently play and what we found that works really well for us. I think probably also talk about maybe, you know, the ones that got away, some stuff like that, or maybe even just, I know there's a few things out there that I really love that I haven't ever really gotten a chance to grab a hold of, but I've played them a few times and things. So we'll probably just be all over the board today, but... You want to jump right into that? Yeah, let's start with. Um, we can go down the list here. Let's start with amps. So we can start with yeah. kind of our favorite amps. I'll have you go first. Kind of, um, what are some favorite amps that you own or wish you owned? Or yeah, right now I'm in a strange place because I don't really own any amps that I love. Love. I have my my Fender Deluxe over in the other room, but uh, I've actually been for the last. Um, it's weird, like the last year and a half or so, I've been playing a Line 6 Helix exclusively uh, in the studio and out at shows and stuff, and I love it to death. It has become really quickly one of my favorite pieces of gear, which kind of spans the amp and pedal world. But um, that's been, you know, it's been a really fun thing just because you get to experience a lot of gear that I probably wouldn't buy otherwise. But as far as amps are concerned, you know, I I owned a Mesa Dual Rectifier when I was younger, and 
I think that amp, even though I, if I owned it still today, I don't think I'd ever use it because who can ever use a hundred or 150 watts or whatever that crazy amp was. But I had a very, um, I had a very big attachment to it at the time, playing a lot of Blink One Eighty Two covers and things like that. <laughs> and so uh, that, that's always one of those ones that uh, I wish I still had around, but. You know, different times call for different amps, and I just wasn't using it a whole lot, so I ended up, you know, wasn't wasn't there for me anymore. <laughs> Other than that, you know, I I uh, I love um, I do love a good kind of British wired amp every once in a while. I played the Fox AC30 hand wired stuff for a bit, and I really really like those. They're good amps. And um, I'm sure I'll I'll leave the other one of my favorite amps to you because I'm sure you know I don't <laughs> actually same. own it, but it is probably one of my favorite amps that yeah. I've ever played. Yeah, it's funny. I I I'm kind of like your non typical amp purchaser. Um, I've got the weirdest. I mean, if you've seen our Instagram, you know we have kind of the weird selection of amps. Um, I love like the vintage stuff. I love the old stuff. Um, I just. Sometimes I just don't want to pay for something that's really old and probably needs repairs. Yeah. Um, even though a and lot still of ours really expensive. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I love you know I love some of the innovation innovations that guys like Jackson Third Power and some of those guys are doing with some of the more complicated amp circuits. I love all that stuff. Um, it's just you know as as a business guy, sometimes I'm like I just want to spend a little bit to get the tone that I want. From an amp because, um, you know, I just, you know, I'm always thinking like, like we all are kind of budget conscious, like how can I get this tone, you know, for a little less. And um, fortunately, I've had a lot of great luck in finding that stuff. Some of it was literally just by by chance, you know, finding these amps and stuff like that. But the the one that's kind of stood above the rest is is the trainer that we have. It's early 70s. Trainer amp. Um, it's kind of Tweed Basman esque. It's got uh, reverb and tremolo. Um, it's we call it the Ugly Duckling because you've probably seen if you've seen it on Instagram. It's just rehoused in this wood enclosure. And um, the story is that this this uh, amp modern organ called Brigatone, who actually does some work for Benson Amps as well, he um, had this for sale, and it just looks so off the wall weird and eclectic and <laughs> normally I don't I'm not into that like crazy of like different stuff but I, something about it was like I just got to try this thing so I got it from him and um I plugged it in I was like holy cow this is an amazing <laughs> this is an amazing app and it's kind of um the best of both worlds to me because it's got like the big kind of huge clean like headroom kind of sound that I love so much but it's um it's a little brighter voice than like your traditional basement. So it's yeah. it's not as muddy and not as low end like flubby kind of as some other amps and so it's it's kind of leaning to the brighter the brighter scale but not too much and so I think it we found it, you know, at least as we've played so many different pickups through it, um we found it works pretty well with almost anything you throw at it. So it makes a really good reference amp and you know, I've, I've always been a clean amp and pedals guy. And this is like a great platform for that. We've we've also got in the shop, you know, I've got a we've got an old Silvertone 1483 that's great for throwing some P90s in front of and just getting some grit. 
Um, just cranking all of the knobs completely. Yeah. To 11. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there's, there's some of those. I do like getting amps um, that have, like, some amps really do one sound really well. Um, and some amps, you know, do a bunch of stuff really well. But, but one thing that's cool about those amps that just do that one thing really well is they're worth having for us because we're de- if we're demoing like one of our heavier sounding pickups, it would be you know it's great to have a high gain amp in the shop. Yeah. It's great to have a vintage, just gnarly natural two breakup amp for you know if we're demoing like a, an older Strat set or something like that. So. Um, definitely, the trainer is probably the favorite. Um, we've got a, a, a bunch of other ones that that have their own special <laughs> their own special things. It's I true. Guess. We uh, we just recently had a like a weird moment in the shop. I feel like because we got a sixty five oh five a PV sixty five oh five, and that mm-hmm. that was an interesting choice for all of us. But I think we were all kind of surprised plugging it in. And getting some gainy sounds out of it and stuff, it was fun to kind of mess around with, get something a little different flavor in the shop. But yeah, we've had a lot of amps kind of roll in and roll out. And I think, you know, Brian and I, we always talk about it after we've been demoing them for a little bit and stuff, or maybe we've used them for some videos or some audio. And it's funny because I think every time I feel like we always kind of say, you know, if it's that kind of clean platform, whatever it may be, you know, I, at least I feel this way. It's like I'm always trying to make it the trainer. Yeah. Like I'm trying to search for the thing that the trainer's doing really well. But that is it, that's one of the most unique amps. Not just because it's rehoused and it looks crazy and zany, but just I it, I don't know. It has a quality about it that is definitely undefinable in a little bit yeah. of a way. Yeah, it's like a mystery amp, and it's like you just kind of love it because it is so weird. It's, <laughs> it's like- one of those things like. You just turn the knobs wherever you feel like, and it seems to create cool sounds. Yeah. Like <laughs> it really can do that. Definitely. So that's definitely. I'd say that that's a favorite of both of ours. I mean, if if I you know if it ever goes missing, you'll probably need to check the trunk of my car first. Yeah, probably. I'm but sure. I will be halfway to Canada already, <laughs> so I'm stealing the YSR one. And my wife can come with me if she wants. You're returning it to its homeland in Canada. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where it belongs, yeah, Brian. Exactly. Well, let's talk pedals. Um, uh, like I said before, I, I'm kind of on an interesting journey of my pedal board right now. I w- I've for so long have been that guy that just buys all sorts of, you know, delay pedals and drive pedals and everything like that. Whatever was kind of hip at the moment I was trying to get into and that kind of stuff. And really recently I uh, made the switch over to, like I said, the Lion 6 Helix, which has just really felt kind of a step above for me. And it's cool because it is stuff, you know, it's got a lot of stuff in there that really accurately kind of models some vintage stuff, you know, like the Vox Univibe, which is a pedal that I would never, ever, ever spend eight hundred or a thousand dollars on, or whatever they go for these days. But um, outside of the Helix, you know, for a really long time, I've always been a huge fan of really anything by JHS. I I have had a lot of their stuff in the past and played a lot, and they all seem to have a really good place and they all seem to kind of make their own home. Um, but I don't know what, what are some of your kind of favorites, favorite go-tos? Yeah. Um, 
I, again, I think it's funny because I feel like I'm still a non-typical purchaser. Um, I went through a phase um, probably like three, four years ago where I was trading pickups with pedal companies. And that was really fun because, you know, we, we would trade gear. I would get to try out a pedal and they would get pickups. And, and so I got a lot to try a lot of stuff in that season. Um, and then as as time went on, certain things kind of rose to the top over those years. And so for me, that's been the the gold standard pedal, Jetter pedals, gold standard. Um, two, two-sided drive, and they both sound really, really good and very different. They sound awesome together. Um, but it's a dual drive that just seems to work really well for what whatever we throw at it. And, you know, again, it sounds good through a clean reference amp like our trainer or like a Fender clean amp. Um, Brad's pedals from Jetter, he just he used to build amps. <coughs> and his the way that um, the tones translate through his circuits, um, I just... I've always gravitated towards those. They really do sound kind of amp-like, and they respond really amp-like. Um, you know, just dynamic stuff where you you're digging harder on your on your strings, and it's breaking kind of accordingly. And um, I've I've always just been impressed with that. And and it's one of those like where the sound gets stuck in your head, and you can't really deviate from it too much. I mean, there's definitely other drives I've tried. I've got a lot of drives that I just love, but um, for me to to venture out too much, it's it's got to be, you know, pretty pretty outstanding. And so, you know, I've I've used some like, you know, cleaner, transparent type overdrives or Klon esque kind of stuff, which mm-hmm. is not what the Jetter does. And so I like some of those, like the Rockworks Light OD is pretty cool. Um, we just got uh, a kilobyte from Caroline Guitar Companies, mm-hmm. which is pretty a uh, pretty sweet um, sweet pedal. So there's a couple of those drive pedals I really like and. I've tried to do, <laughs> I've tried to do some of the other pedals. Like I've tried to do like big, huge delay boxes, and I always end up selling them. And I think we've got like on the shop board, we've got the Car- MXR Carbon Copy. Yep. And we've got a the Golden Summer from Alexander Pedals. Yeah. And those two kind of just they sound really cool, and they're very like straightforward. I almost get like I get intimidated by like the timeline or or something huge like that. Yeah. I'm just like man, that's so cool. So many features, but I just I don't even know where I would start, and so I yeah. kind of gi- I kind of give up before I even start with some of that stuff. But I think I think those are kind of the you know definitely the standard pedals. I like the um, we've got the the EP booster mm-hmm. on there and the SP compressor on our shop board. It's I really go to yeah. I like the EP. It's a great booster. Um, it's it seems a little more natural. Sounding, if that makes sense, uh-huh. than some of the other boosters that I've tried, and the uh, SP compressor is probably the first compressor I've actually liked um, of all the ones I've yeah. tried because it's it's pretty again pretty natural sounding. It doesn't squash your tone, and you can let kind of the original signal come through a little bit better, um, which I think is yeah know, in a compressor design that's probably pretty ideal. Yeah, um, for sure. Well, I definitely I think like. The delay game and that kind of stuff is the one place where you and I deviate a lot because I am a tinkerer by nature. I love, I've I've been actually looking at recently a lot of the Chase Bliss stuff because I just I love the options and the craziness that you can get out of that. I think it's really cool. And they've they're another company that's just made something. You know, a few of their products are just really unique. Not only because of how versatile they are, but just 
simply like what they're trying to do, you know, is, is a very different effect. And that's kind of what I look for these days is, you know, there's so much, I don't know, there's so much going on in the guitar world anyways. I just like to find those things that can kind of grab a unique flavor and maybe make something a little different than it's been, you know, because I think we're in an age of just reincarnating everything over and over and over and over yeah. again. Well, we talked about it on our Tone Community page. There's a plug for the Facebook Porter Pickups Tone Community. Uh, we talked about that uh, a couple of weeks ago, kind of like, you know, a trend of where pedal boards were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now, I don't know if this is across the industry, but just as I've seen like Instagram posts of pedal boards, it seems like some people are downsizing. And I know like literally everyone in the shop has downsized yeah. or... Or done like, you know, I have the Firehawk from Line 6 for just, you know, multi-effect stuff if I need a quick sound of something like that. Um, it's crazy how that's happened. Um, you know, even Zach, one of the guys that works here, he had this, you know, multi-thousand dollar pedal board and he got the Helix too because, you know, he plays at yeah. church and he just wants a simple plug-and-go system. And it's it's pretty interesting. So there was a lot of people that kind of agreed with that, like that pedal boards are getting smaller and people kind of, you know, I don't know if it's a financial thing or not, but <laughs> you're kind of like keeping up with like this, like trends of different yeah. pedals. Like, oh, what if I get this? What if I get this? And then you have these spaceship pedal boards, and and now it's like, you know, I've, I see, I literally got see guys with a drive, a delay, a tuner, and and maybe like a reverb pedal or something. You Absolutely, know, yeah. it gets it gets down to like really simple. But I think I think sometimes I like I appreciate that because. Um, you know, you're you're caught in this chase of gear. And, you know, it's funny coming from a gear company saying, like, yeah, people are chasing gear. <laughs> but we all are. You know, it's like we we buy stuff and we think, man, this if I just get this pedal, I could do this, this, and this. And we kind of justify it versus <laughs> just playing more guitar and trying to get more stuff out of sure, you know, the knobs yeah. on our guitars or the, the amps that we use. Because um, even... Even whatever you're playing, you can still get more out of it than you are currently. Whether yeah. that's technique or practice, or it's just finding a different setting. You know, I had a friend that had a little one of the just basic Vox tube amps, like one of their little low low end ones, uh-huh. and he couldn't get a sound out of it. We spent, you know, we spent a few minutes on it, and we got a pretty decent usable sound. And he's like, "Man, that's really cool." And it was just, it's like some amps we talked about, like the trainer time. sounds good with with anything, but then the others. Other amps or other pedals kind of take a little more finesse to to dial in. So, absolutely. Well, I think we should move on to guitars, which Probably. I feel like I don't know if this is going to be a hard one or not. I, I mean, I have a couple of favorites, <laughs> but it's like back to our uh, podcast budget versus expensive guitars. Exactly. Like, yeah, we like we like things about both of them, right? Yeah, yeah. So why don't why don't you start out? I feel like there's a pretty there's got to be a pretty clear leader for you because there's only one guitar you own that you refuse to bring to the shop. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just I don't know what it is. You don't want our dirty grimy hands. Yeah, all probably over not. It. Yeah, that's okay. I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny with with that. So I mean, for those that don't know, I I, I love Tommy Anderson guitars. Talk about them a lot. Um, it's kind of like my. My thing, you know, I just your stick. I, well, I love them, and I I know I know of some people that work there, and I've I've been to the the factory a couple times, and 
just like all of those things combined with the quality of the instrument really have like made me like the brand even more because I see I've seen behind the scenes what goes into making one of those. Um, I've been involved in like choosing, basically choosing woods and and getting my own custom yeah. ones specked out and just amazing experience. And it all kind of started <coughs> with, um, you know, quick story, but it all kind of started with, I used to help at a guitar shop downtown here and they had a used one in there and I had never played in Anderson. This was probably six or seven years ago. For whatever reason, I just had never come across one. I think I'd seen them before, but I just I never got a chance to actually play one. And it was a used one. It was a transparent blue, which is one of my favorite colors. <laughs> and so I was obviously like, I got to try this because you know it's a cool blue guitar. It was a like a Tele style. I remember playing it, and it had it was one of those moments where you pick it up and you're like, man, this is just a smoking instrument. Like it just yeah. sounds, it sounds so good. It feels good, and the playability is what. You know, blew me away. It was like, man, I didn't know guitars could play like this. So it was like, uh, my experience before that was I had a custom shop Schecter guitar, and I had a uh, um, like an American Strat and a couple other guitars I really liked. And then th- this was like three steps above that. And I was like, man, this is a used guitar. It's like 15 years old, and it plays like this. You know, and so I was just kind of like blown away. And then um, that that store became a dealer of the guitars, and so. Over the course of like two and a half, three years, I got to play 30 or 40 different ones, and they were all like blowing me away. And so that really kind of solidified. I think I, I like this, <laughs> you know, yeah, I like these. And so, oh, you know, over, over the t- course of time, I've been able to get a couple, um, you know, used, and, and I got a new one and just kind of, kind of fell in love with those just as, as a brand. I came to a point where I decided, like, um, you know, obviously we buy guitars for the shop to do pickup demos and we need all sorts of different kinds of guitars. But, um, you know, as personally, I was like, I've got like five or six guitars that are worth like a couple hundred bucks or four hundred bucks or whatever. And like, what if I just got rid of all of those and got one really nice, really expensive one that I would just never sell? Um, like, what if I just bought something that I I wouldn't sell? I know I wouldn't sell. And so... Yeah. Um, that's kind of where that came about, and so after saving for a long time and all that, I I ordered one up, and um, it was you know obviously just great experience, but um, that's that's pretty cool. It's kind of been a benchmark for for quality stuff in the shop, you know, as we look at different things, and um, but we've got you know I'll I'll keep it short here for the rest of the stuff, but we've got a lot of stuff like I love the Sublime guitars that we have. They're yeah. not. They're imports. They're not very expensive, but they play really well. Um, I've always kind of had a thing for. We've got an old Japanese Tokai Strat, just kind of like, kind of like the Strat vibe, older Strat vibe without the price tag. Yeah, basically, um, some of that made in Japan stuff always seems like the quality's a little bit nicer. Um, but yeah, the the guitar subject is. I mean, we could sit here for. Three hours I think and we talk could, about yeah. guitars. So, <laughs> well, and it's like you're right. Every everything that we have here in the shop, and then even like you know stuff that I've got at home and everything. It's like it all has a different place. So for me, my two go tos at home are I have a, a a Fender American Telecaster 2008 or something like that that I bought when I was a kid. Um, first first like real electric guitar. You know, I had a stag sg when i was like 14 and as soon as i got serious my my parents helped me uh 
by this Telecaster. And that's one of those ones where it's like, it it doesn't even resemble the guitar it was when I bought it. I mean, it's been, you know, a decade now almost since I bought it. And I've stripped all the paint off of it multiple times. And I've got a set of Porter 9Ts in it now and all this crazy, you know, all this crazy stuff. But every time I pick it up, it still kind of feels like home in a lot of ways. And what I love about the Telecaster, and especially just <clears throat> a uh, a straight up American Tele, is just that it's just a block of wood. You know, I mean, it just feels like you could go throw it off a bridge and pick it up and play it still, and I love that about it. And then uh, on the other side of things, I've got a. Gretsch Country Classic Junior that I picked up, I think about three years ago. And that's a guitar for me that um, sort of, it was like my my dream guitar for a really long time. I remember seeing Phil Wickham live when I was like 16 or something. So, you know, almost a decade ago. And he was touring with this guy named Taylor Johnson. Taylor was playing lead for him. And he had this Gretsch, and I'd never really been a semi-hollow fan or anything, but there was something about, A, the way the way Taylor was playing was just amazing. He's got a great ear for melodies and just kind of cool hooks and that kind of stuff. But there was something about the guitar that was just really different. And so ever since then, I'd been looking for this guitar, and finally one came up on eBay. They're kind of rare. They were only made for like four years in the late 90s. And uh, someone came up on eBay, and my wife gave in to a compulsive buy, (laughs) which was very, very gracious of her. Send a huge shout-out to my wife for, you know, keeping up with my insane guitar. (laughs) Yeah. And now you work at, like, a company that makes guitar stuff. So it's like... Exactly. It's like... It's even worse. I don't know if that's... Yeah, I don't know if it's better or worse, but at least you can borrow stuff from the shop and you don't have to buy it, right? That's that's true. It does curb a lot of my (laughs) spending habits, but... Anyways, we bought this guitar, and... It's the exact opposite of the Telecaster. Like when I take it out of the case, I'm like, okay, I gotta make sure that it's like nice and brushed up. It's a it's a small hollow body, so it's like the size of kind of an ES339, and it's completely hollow. It has no center block or anything, and it just feels fragile. <laughs> but there's something so like the Telecaster for me was the guitar that it could cover everything. I could go play rock and get this, you know, I used to play it through my Mesa Dual Rec and get these really gainy rock sounds. I could play country music with it, all this stuff. And the Gretsch is the exact opposite to me. It does like one thing and only that. And But that one thing that it does is kind of magical to me. And I've never really even fully been able to describe it. It's really, really low output and kind of almost, it's got this like really insane mid-range that just makes it sort of dull sounding, but at the same time, paired with the right gear and the right amps, you can really like crank up the drive on an amp and it just gets warm and I don't know. Anyways, so that's my little rant about that guitar. But that's got to be, that'll probably hold the place as one of my favorites forever just because I'll always want other guitars because there are so many things that that, that Gretsch does not do well. <laughs> and there's so much stuff that 
I'd rather um, have different guitars for sound-wise, but I also don't think that I'd ever be able to get rid of the Gretsch because it just it has a magical quality to it that <laughs> I can't really fully put my hands on. That's good that, like, I, I feel like there's a, a lot of people in our situation where they have the one or two that they're just like, I don't even care if you offered me this much. I wouldn't, I still wouldn't, yeah. you know, get rid of it. And, and there's, that's, that's kind of nice because like, if you can get a guitar like that, um, you know, obviously then you're like thinking, what's my next guitar that I can keep forever. But, um, you know, there, there was a season, even I was talking about before with the pedals, it was kind of like, you're just cycling through gear. And I know a lot of people have done that and they've kind of gotten worn out from like, cool, I own this like PRS for, you know, six months and then I sold it. And I never really got to know the guitar. And so I don't know if I miss it or not. You know, there's this kind of like, <laughs> totally. it's kind of a weird dynamic with that. And and so that made me think of kind of like, as we tie up here, but um, kind of some guitars that got away, you know, some yeah. stories of, of guitars that we've had or gear that we've had that maybe we had for a short season or like maybe we had early on in our playing days. And uh, so maybe a couple, if you want to mention a couple of those and yeah. then I will. Um, I mean, I think I've only probably got one piece of gear that it like routinely comes up like, man, why did I get rid of that? But I had a, uh, I had a 1973 Stratocaster when I was in college. And today, I'm like a huge Strat fan. I love the versatility and just the combination of tones and stuff. And this thing was a nice all-original. I picked it up at a flea market for a steal of a deal, sort of a guitar. And um, at the time, though, I was moving here to Boise to be in kind of a hard rock sort of band. And I, at the time, I had just never been able to make the Strat sound work for me. You know, we talk about that. I, I feel like Strats are like no other guitar in that the guys that love them just love them to death and maybe couldn't play anything else. And then for the rest of the population, it's that guitar that Jimi Hendrix played that you know you should love, <laughs> but like can't seem to figure out how to love it, you know? And that's where I was when when I had this thing and I was about to move out here. And so I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I'm never going to use it inside the style of music that I'm going to go tour and play. And and I can't really make it work for me anyways. I I'm, just don't know what to do with it. And I ended up um, giving it to a, to a guy in our church who was younger than me, who was just coming up in music and had, who had always been like every week he'd call me up and be like, hey, man, can I borrow the Strat again? Like I just love that <laughs> guitar. So I, I gave it to him and I just, you know, it's it's a good time. But um, at the same time, you know, that's the one where I'm like now looking back, I'm like, man, I'm never going to have a 70s Strat again. Like, <laughs> in the you know, like, I don't know, increasingly more and more I feel like those nice finds, the – yard sale guitar or whatever just doesn't come up anymore. You know, eBay, eBay has basically made that just go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I will probably never find a strat quite like that one again, but, um, you know, life goes on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, there's, there's like two that come to mind. Um, one was, uh, I had a, uh, blues Deluxe from the mid-90s. Do you remember those? Like the mm -hmm. Tweed Blues Deluxe? Yeah. It was a cool amp, and, and I 
I traded uh, <coughs> I traded it to a, a friend's brother for another amp, for a Mesa amp, actually, because I was thinking I would be playing a little heavier music, um, which, you know, we weren't playing like crazy heavy stuff, but it, it was more riffy kind of driven. And so uh, so <laughs> I needed something that had a little more crunch than that amp. And, yeah. And of course it did, but then I realized that was kind of the moment that I realized I loved the Fender Clean sound. Even though that other amp was a little bit more gritty, but I just loved, for whatever reason, I just always loved that Fender Clean sound because I, I kind of, I was inspired early on by Stevie Ray Vaughan, kind of his just super clean, yeah, kind of tones, and and I was like, I can't really get that from this amp, you know, and so I always kind of regretted like that move, even though it was kind of the, it was a good one at the time. Um, the other one I had a um, Hot Cat 15 from Bad Cat, which was. My first, my first amp that I felt like both channels were really good. So mm-hmm. sometimes you'll get an amp that just kind of has a, a totally, boring, yeah. a boring drive channel, but great cleans or vice versa. And this, this was an amp that I just, I, I knew that like, man, this re- sounded really good with both channels. Um, and long story short, I had to sell that one too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and the other one. Uh, was a, a Sir guitar. Um, there was a, a while where Sir came out with the Pro Series, they called it. And it was like, I think they were like 1700 bucks new or something like that. Um, and it was when I worked at the music store. And so I got one for a dealer price, which was really, like, really cheap. And I was like, well, when am I going to find a Sir for this this price? And so I just, like, kind of came up with the money and bought it. Um, and then I think... We found out we were having our second child at that point, and so it was like, okay, I guess this one has to go. So, yeah. so all that said, it was for a great, obviously for a great cause, but um, it was one of those where I didn't actually own it for very long. I knew I loved it, but it just, it just circumstances obviously dictated that it was time for that one to go. So um, that's always one where I'm like, man, it'd be cool to get that one back at some point or. Something like that, just because you know, again, it's like a playability thing where it's kind of like, man, I remember that guitar just playing so good. Yeah. And well, yeah, I think you know that's always a hard decision to make, but it does happen. <laughs> it happens a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, as we close up, I think you know the one thing that I'm kind of thinking of as we sit here and we talk about our favorite gear and stuff is there's a lot. And I, and I would encourage people, if you are not satisfied with your gear and what you're playing and you're looking for that stuff, I think look for the unique stuff. You know, I think that's the kind of common thread between a lot of what you and I love is it's unique and, and it's kind of available for a little bit more of an emotional connection, you know. And I think that's the great thing is you can have, like I said, like the Gretsch is a perfect example for me of a guitar where it's not versatile and, I, and I don't, I'm not sure that I should like it as much as I do. You know, I've had guys tell me in the studio before that it's like, it's really like frequency heavy in the mid range and they hate trying to mix it because it's just not, you know, as open tonally. But I just love it, you know, and I think it's because it's kind of unique and I've formed this emotional connection with it. And I think. Just be looking for that, you know, look for the things that kind of feel like they describe you a little more as a musician, you know, because I think that's the key to really having longevity with your gear and kind of keeping it around and stuff is finding the things that speak to you, maybe not necessarily things that speak to the whole music community and, you know, whatever's the most popular thing right now, but really things that actually 
speak to you, you know. You, we hear all the time of like those guys out there in big bands or whatever where it's like all they play is like mid-century silver tone guitars and it's like those are guitars that you can find on eBay for like $300, you know. And most of the time it's like a battle to play them just because <laughs> but like they love that stuff, you know. And so don't, you know, don't dismiss anything because of a price tag or because it's not the hip thing to do, but just look for what feels right for you and what, you know, you feel like you can connect with. Yeah, I would say like along that lines is we've we've seen that where people have a guitar that they absolutely love, but it's like, you know, we come in with the pickups and offer them a set of pickups that kind of yeah. brings the guitar back to life. You know, don't be afraid to modify your stuff, to change out pickups, to yeah. you know, take it to a a tech or a luthier and have it get refretted or set up better. Um, you know, there's just, I think when the, like when the economy crashed, you know, several years ago, there wasn't as many people buying new guitars. It was like, we saw an influx of people saying, well, I don't want to buy a new guitar cause I don't have the money. Maybe I'll just put a few hundred bucks into this guitar yeah. and make it better. And I think, I think that gets overlooked too, because I mean, I, I'd certainly agree with like buying something that's completely solid and stable and super high class because, you know, I've done that obviously with some of my stuff, but I've also found these like rescue projects and, and brought them back to life. And, and I love that too, because you're right, that, that creates more of that kind of emotional attachment. You're like, yeah, this guitar was a, you know, it didn't even play. Yeah. And, and now it does. And it's like, man, how cool is that? Because like, I've got something yeah. actually invested in this as a as a project or whatever. Well, and I you know it's like anymore. I've played some Squire guitars that are just it's like I don't know what, but it feels great. And so, you know, we had that deluxe Tele come through the I think it's a vintage modified Tele deluxe, and uh, we bought that along with a Jazzmaster and a Jaguar, all vintage modified Squire stuff. And the two offsets, you know, it's kind of here and there. Could really take them or leave them in a lot of aspects. But there was something about that Telecaster that just really played well. And ironically, that's the one that we got rid of. I know, I know. <laughs> the one that got away. The one that got away in the shop. But, yeah. you know, just, yeah, keep keep an open mind and just play what feels good. Especially, you know, we talked about this in the budget and expensive guitars, but if you do have a chance to go and play a wall full of even if you have a budget for a Mexican Telecaster, play a wall full of them because you'll find one in there that just has something about it. Some, you know, maybe it resonates really well, or just kind of like this is a sweet guitar. Um, and that's what's kind of cool about yeah. this day and age is that you can buy a two hundred fifty dollar guitar, and sometimes it works out really well. It's true. That'll go back to our, we'll do a small plug for our budget versus expensive guitars podcast because we do talk a lot about how to find the yes. budget guitar that's yeah. really good um, and kind of what to look for in it and, you know, what modifications might be able to take a good playing guitar to a good sounding guitar. Yeah. And that's probably one of our most popular, if not the most popular show. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, uh, We'll talk a little bit next week. We're going to, I think, talk about our custom telly sets, what we love about them. I think they are 
our most popular tele set as far as what we sell and that kind of stuff. And I think there's a lot of good reasons. So if you're a tele player or maybe you're not a tele player, but you think you'd want to get into it, tune in next week and we'll talk a little bit about how the custom tellies have really kind of helped out a lot of people and what we love about them. So until then, thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week.